Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and we're glad that you're here. I'll be joined in just a moment by this week's guest, but before that, I want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project. All of our content here at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we rely upon the contributions of our listeners in order to do so. You will never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost money to put a show like this together, so if you find what we're doing here valuable and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going, and it helps us reach other men just like you. God's blessings, fellas. Enjoy the show. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, gentlemen, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. I'm the founder and curator of Gird Up, and I'm going to have some man talk with you today. Today I want to talk about the role that the church plays in society. If you're anything like me, um, it has been an interesting, well, we've just lived an interesting life so far, right? I'm 31 years old, so you think about uh, the times I've grown up in has been just Political upheaval from the very and societal upheaval from the very beginning. I don't know what it's like. Like I remember the '90s, um, but I only, I don't remember what politics was like in the '90s because I was so young. So I don't really remember any of that. I do remember the early 2000s. I grew up kind of during the Bush years, and while there certainly was um, conflict in the political realm, it was nothing like what we see now. And the the amount of political unrest and societal unrest that we have going on at the moment has reached a fever pitch. And it was not this way when we were kids. It's not just that I don't remember it this way. It really wasn't this way when we were kids. There's always there's always going to be forces pushing against each other in culture. That's just a reality of culture and the way things work in the real world. But what we are experiencing now is insane, right? And if you're anything like me, when you look at what's going on in the world around you right now, um, the church's involvement in society can get really frustrating for two reasons. One is the quote-unquote Christians, and I'm doing imaginary air quotes here, Christians in the popular news media and out in the world and in politics, they don't seem to actually represent what I believe and what I think. Like, I don't see like-minded Christians on TV or on social media very often. And when I do, they get eviscerated and they disappear. (laughs) So the Christians that are on TV and on social media and in in politics, 
they they aren't I, I have very little in common with them and they don't seem to believe the same things that I believe and on the flip side the people that do seem to believe what I believe specifically the Lutheran Church just appears to be socially completely impotent they have abs- they are completely irrelevant in culture and that has been for me a really frustrating thing um and that actually is one of the reasons why I started this podcast to begin with. I don't think I recognized that it was one of the reasons why this podcast started. Um, but what it was one of the underlying issues is I didn't see the connection between what I was reading in the Bible and what I was actually seeing in my own life and in the lives of the men around me. And I just did not understand what it means to be a man, what it means to be a Christian man, because the men who are out in culture and saying, hey, I'm a Christian and proclaiming themselves to be Christians don't look like me and they don't act like me and they don't appear to believe the same things that I believe, whether they're athletes or politicians or whatever they are. And on the other side, the people that do believe what I believe just always seem to be sitting on the sidelines. Um, And so that's what I want to talk about today is the fact that I or the fact that the Lutheran church often appears to be socially impotent. And I'm going to talk about the Lutheran church because I'm Lutheran. Um, It's the world that I'm familiar with, but um, really what I'm talking about is Orthodox Christianity. Uh, The Lutheran church is not the only Orthodox Christian church. Anybody that says something such as only Lutherans go to heaven, they're idiots and they have not read scripture and they didn't understand scripture. Anybody who would make the claim that only in the Lutheran church are, can you be saved is also a fool who has not read um, the Bible. And I will go further than that. Anybody that says church membership determines whether or not you're in heaven is ridiculous and has not read scripture either. So I don't make any of those claims. I also don't claim that the Lutheran church is perfect. I also don't claim that um, the Lutheran church is the only true Christian church. There are other Orthodox uh, Christian churches and denominations and synods and so forth. I'm not a part of them, though. I'm a part of the Lutheran church. And I believe that the Lutheran confessions are the best... um, the best representation of the teachings that are actually found in Scripture and the things that separate the Lutheran Church from the other Orthodox churches are teachings on things like predestination and on the sacraments and things like that, which are not, I don't care what anybody says, and I'm going to get in trouble perhaps for saying this, they are not core teachings from the standpoint of they need to be believed in order to go to heaven. You can go to heaven and have a misunderstanding of what the sacraments do and what they are. You can go to heaven and have a misunderstanding of um, the election controversy or something like that. Right? These are not do- like these are not doctrines that bar people out of heaven. My argument for belonging to an Orthodox Christian church, specifically a Lutheran church, and why I've remained Lutheran over the years is because I want to have... The analogy I like to use is there's poison in the water. Because we are sinners, there's always going to be poison in the water. I would rather drink the most pure water I can possibly find than drink water with poison in it. If you're going to a mainline Protestant church or you're going to a Catholic church, you're drinking water that has a heavy dose of poison in it. They're teaching a whole bunch of things that do not that are not represented in scripture. Scripture is the only true word of God, is the only place where we have revelation from God that can be trusted. 
And so scripture is where we find our doctrine and our theology. If you go to a church or belong to a church that doesn't believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God and the only source of revealed truth, then you're drinking water with poison in it. And there's a heavy dose of poison in it. And if you are not careful, that poison will in time kill you and kill your faith. The Lutheran Church, specifically the Wisconsin Synod Lutheran Church and the LCMS and other confessional Lutheran church bodies have filtered out, that's the whole point of the Protestant Reformation and the formation of the Lutheran Church to begin with, is we're filtering out all of the poison. Now, because there are human hands on it, there will always be a little, there will be trace amounts of poison, no matter how good your church is, no matter how good your teaching is. And there are things that are disagreed upon among Lutherans, even confessional Lutherans. Um, There will never be complete and total unity in the church. And anybody that tells you there will, or that it's our job to find that complete and total perfect unity is also a fool. But that's a different conversation as well. The point being, I'm not going to apologize for being a Lutheran. If you want somebody to talk about uh, the, the popular talking points, if you want somebody that sounds less, less Lutheran, go find them. But you're also going to sacrifice the true and holy word of God as you do so. So you can find somebody that's going to say what your itching ears want to hear. Instead of giving you what your itching ears want to hear, I'm going to continue teaching the truth as it is found in Scripture. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> Let's talk about politics. So since I became, I'm 31 years old, since I became an adult or really understood what was going on, I've been through three different administrations and throughout all of it, it seemed like the church was kind of sitting on the sideline and wasn't doing anything. Uh, with Obama, he was pressing these socialist, ideo- socialist ideologies and policies into practice, um, which dehumanized people. Um, they, the Democrats were literally recycling, recycling terminology such as the New Deal and putting them back into place uh, during the Obama administration. And it was uh, limiting our ability in society to operate as individuals. Then under Trump, uh, Trump ran on a campaign of Christian evangelicalism, but that his behavior the entire time and his language like very clearly reflect the fact that he is not a Christian. He does not believe what the Bible says. And that is obvious in the way he goes about his life and the way he behaves that he does not have Christian faith, at least not as the Bible outlines it. And again, as an Orthodox Christian, as a Lutheran, if you don't believe what the Bible says, then you do not have saving faith. But Trump somehow still ran on a platform of Christian evangelicalism. The story of how that became a thing is is fascinating. It, um, it, it all kind of revolves around the former president of Liberty University. That's a conversation for a different time. It is worth looking up, though, and talking about and thinking about. But um, that's not for today. Uh, the, but what Trump did, essentially, as as the champion of Christian evangelicalism, what he did was peel back or redirect at least some of the most socialist policies of the Obama years, such as scaling back Obamacare. So we still do have state health care, but it looks a lot more like the um, capitalist model that we had before. So it's really not even Obamacare anymore. It's not what was put in place during the Obama years. It's now a scaled back version, which provides affordable health care. He also worked to close the border. um, And that was I mean, obviously, the whole Trump wall thing was this weird phenomena where everybody's upset about the wall, right? And it's hard, I think, to understand, unless you understand where the socialists are coming from, 
and I'm going to say socialist when I'm talking about the Democrats because that's what essentially they are. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong or good or bad. It just is the way it is. Um, but what social the socialists uh, the socialist platform depends upon a working class to support them. And so the the larger the American middle class is, the fewer people there are. Um, who will benefit from what is essentially the redistribution of wealth, which is what the foundational pillars of socialist society are, is the redistribution of wealth. So if I have the ability to rise, if I'm upwardly mobile, um, or if I have the ability to support myself and I can pay for all my own, if I don't need the government's help to live my life, then I'm not going to vote for liberal socialist policies. And so one of the things that the liberals want is to keep bringing in immigrants who then make up a very large, low-income working class who will then vote them into office, and they get to keep their power and authority for long term. So what Trump was trying to do was close the border, limit the uh, growth of the lower classes, and instead increase the growth of the middle classes, and he also did that by kind of leveling the tax field. So all the yelling and screaming about what the tax code uh, with Trump and Trump at one point basically says like, yes, I do use the loopholes in the tax code because it it's a it's good business practice. And he essentially made it easier than for people to start businesses and grow businesses and be independent, uh, which makes them upwardly mobile so that they, one, can pay more taxes, but they also, again, need less help from the government and they're less dependent upon the government, which then makes them, like I said, both upwardly mobile in society and since they're less dependent upon government, less it makes uh, social policies less attractive to them. When Biden then was elected, he claims to be a Catholic, but he's like a new Vatican II Catholic, if you're familiar with the terminology. He's a very, very liberal ideology, and instead of pushing the socialist agenda, what he has essentially done is, well, maybe not him, but his camp, or his um, his regime, <laughs> I don't know what's the right word, uh, it was presidency, His the White House in the Biden years has essentially done everything they can to undercut and erode the values of Christian orthodoxy um, so that they can kind of rewrite ethics in such a way that they are the ones who are right, if that makes sense. So um, what they've essentially done is attack the tenets of Christian morality. So they've undermined the sexual, sexual ethic of Christianity. They have undermined religious freedom, and they have undermined the individual's right of expression only if you disagree with um, the liberal policies, not because I don't think they actually agree with all the things that these, you know, people changing their genders and and yelling and screaming in the streets. They don't actually agree with everything that they're saying, but what they're doing is eroding the fundamental uh, beliefs of um, what is a kind of a post-Christian culture, which still has Christian morality in many ways. So if I can get um, everybody to question their sexuality, then I'm also questioning the ethic which makes me believe that sex, gender fluidity and homosexuality are wrong. If I can get them to, qu if I can question the authority of the morality which says that those things are wrong, then I can undermine Christianity and create a new moral ethic, um, which then is more sympathetic to the socialist ideals which the Democrats are pushing. So sorry if I'm making your head spin a little bit or making it sound like I have a tin hat or something on. But essentially that's what the 
uh, liberals who are in authority or in power, places of power right now are doing is eroding the foundation of the American moral system, which is still Christianity, whether or not people are actually Christian, they still have this in uh, this Christian Judeo-Christian moral code hardwired into them because that's what our country was built on. Those are the fundamental values of our country. And so in order to fundamentally shift the country's values into a socialist direction where they can then be the authoritarians that they want to be, they have to undermine the Christian moral ethics. So they have to pull people out of church, they have to pull people um, away from the Bible, they have to pull people out of what they have traditionally believed over generations and replace it with something else. And that's why we see this rewriting of culture that we're seeing right now in this generation. And knowing that that's what they're doing can make it absolutely infuriating that we haven't seen the church involved in most of the cultural issues of the last five years. I think the 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 boldest of those cultural issues has to be COVID, the riots and things that happened after the George Floyd shooting and the LGBTQIA plus whatever it is, right? Those three issues, the church largely seems to be silent, Right. Um, nobody seemed to be able to agree on how to handle COVID-19. I don't need, I, I, I'm not going to make any statements about how things should be handled, but nobody seemed to agree on it. And the strongest and most conservative church bodies seem to be virtually silent on all of the issues, both on how we should behave as individuals and how we should behave as a church body. And nobody ever said anything about it. Nobody went out into the streets and said, this is what we're going to do. We basically just went along for the ride. On top of that, we then have social unrest around race, um, and whether no matter where you fall on the spectrum, you're probably upset, or you probably noticed, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm sorry. If you're anything like me, it was infuriating, or at least frustrating, that nobody said anything about that either. We weren't preaching about it, we weren't talking about it. It seemed to be a non-issue for Orthodox Christians. Again, we kind of sat on the sideline and just watched things play out. We do that. We are consistently doing the same thing with the LGBTQIA plus whatever. In the safety of our own homes, we say things like this, disgusting, and that's wrong, and we don't like it. We talk about it with our families. Um, we get all upset when we see it on TV, but we don't seem to be going out and doing things in the real world, right? And the reason for that is we're used to the um, kind of <laughs> the same Christian evangelicals who elected Trump, right? are still out in the streets yelling and screaming and making all kinds of noise. And because of the way society looks right now, pretty much all Christians get lumped together. Okay, uh, We get most of our news as a society from social commentary on so, and social media. And we, there's a couple of issues with that. Um, we get most of our news and social commentary from social media, which means that you're not required to be an expert or actually really to even know what you're talking about in order to give your opinion on social media. And then the things which go viral, which everybody puts their eyes on, are almost never the most truthful or insightful or even the most popular, actually, views. Um, they're the spiciest views. They're clickbait, right? So it's all about sensationalism and not about truth. And so a lot of times... Um, very few American Christians are actually educated on their own theology and dogmatics, right? So there's a whole lot of Christians in the United States. The question we need to think about is how many actually are faithful functioning members of a Christian church, 
That's the first thing. And if they are members of a Christian church, do they actually know what their Christian church teaches? And do they actually believe what that church teaches? The answer to those questions is, frankly, mostly no. Even, I mean, most Christians in the United States belong to a massive popular church somewhere, which, such as a mainline Protestant church or a Christian or American evangelical church, which is going to have several thousand members. It is not possible to be a, a member of a church of thousands and know your pastor personally, at least the ones who are controlling um, what is being taught, what is being, uh, the, the way you're being instructed, the policies of the church, the actual theology of the church. There is no way for thousands of people to be shepherded by a pastor, a head pastor, whatever it is. So very few people who belong to these very, very large churches really have a an understanding of everything that is taught by that church or even agree with everything that is taught by that church. Um, and that means that what they actually believe and understand generally is coming from a different source other than the pastor who is leading and shepherding their congregation, whether or not that pastor is doing so faithfully or actually teaching Orthodox Christianity. Instead, what they're getting, where they're getting their quote-unquote Christianity from is social media or books or whatever it might be, but even all that stuff is fundamentally shaped by social media. So all Christians in the United States get lumped together, even though all Christians in the United States don't believe the same thing. And frankly, most of us believe pretty radically different things. And those of us who are truly Christians, who believe what the Bible says and understand what the Bible teaches, we believe almost nothing that the evangelical Christian church at large believes. So what mainline Protestants and American evangelicals believe really isn't what the Bible teaches, even though they get the most noise. And, and really, when people talk about Christians in media and on social media, that's who they're talking about. Uh, the other piece of it is that a lot of political commentary about Christians is not actually made by the Christians themselves, but about Christians by those observing from the outside. So you get a lot of sound, sound bites and official statements. What you don't hear is what individuals actually believe from the church, right? So you're getting sound bites from individuals and official statements from the church, which you're not actually getting is theology from the church. And not all Christians believe the same things. Generally, if people are calling themselves Christians, they believe on, they, they agree that humans are sinners, that Jesus is God in human form, and that Jesus' death had some sort of redemptive effect for sinners. But beyond that, we all disagree. Okay? So if you want to understand one, our place as Christians in society, but then also why there seems to be so much going on in society, especially with Christians that we don't agree with or we don't understand. It's because most of the Christians you're seeing online or on social media or even out in society and places of power don't believe what you believe. They believe humans are sinners, they believe God, Jesus is God in human form, and they believe that Jesus' death had some sort of redemptive effect for sinners, but beyond that, they do not agree. Okay, Most Christians in the United States are Catholics or, or Calvinists. And most mainline Protestants in America, and American evangelicals are Calvinists to some degree, whether or not they identify themselves as such. So you might look at a church's website or even talk to someone um, and say, hey, I'm pretty sure you're a Calvinist. They might have no idea what that means. They would. They might even deny it. 
But when you actually drill down to what they believe, what they believe is either Calvinist or Catholic teaching. Um, So all Catholics and Calvinists, to some degree, believe that God and sinners work together for salvation. So in order for justification to happen, um, it's a cooperative effort between God and the sinner. So there has to be some good in the sinner to begin with. So in other words, humans are basically good, which we're going to get to this later, but which is not what the Bible teaches. Humans are basically good, and so humans and God work together for their salvation. And because Calvinists and Catholics believe that it is their responsibility to work together with God for their own salvation, it puts a ton of pressure on the individual Calvinist or Catholic to produce good works because their good works impact their salvation. So if I believe that I work together with God in order to be saved— So God and I work together, whether you believe that God comes down to me or I rise up to God or I choose God or um, that I have to do good works in order to prove my faith, whatever it is, however you want to talk about it, they believe it's a cooperative effort between God and man. If it's cooperative effort, that means you have to produce good works and it puts a ton of pressure on most American Christians to do good works. Because if I'm a, a mainline Protestant or if I'm an American evangelical or if I'm a Catholic, I believe that if I don't do enough good with my life, I might not be saved. And so the best way to make sure that I am saved is to do as much good as I possibly can and have the greatest impact for good of which I'm capable just to make sure that I'll be good in the end. So I don't know for sure where I stand before God. I don't know for sure how saved I am or even if I am saved or not. And so I have to do as much good as I possibly can and have as much of an impact on the world as I possibly can in order to make my salvation secure. And that means that that supersedes Christian teaching sometimes if it means that I'm doing good. So that's where Christians who don't agree with you, right, the Christians that we see online and out in the world and out in the streets are behaving in ways that are confusing to Orthodox Christians because the most important thing to them is not following Jesus. The most important thing to them is doing as much good as they possibly can, and their definitions of good can be really strange or confusing or change, right? Um, and this is why that there's an there's like an endless self-help media put out by like mainline Protestants and American evangelicals, right? You, I like to call them g- gender ministry books, right? So how to be a good woman of God, how to be a good man of God. I've got an entire shelf in my dorm room here of books talking about how to be a good Christian man. And frankly, most of them are really, really well written, but their reason for being a good man or their reason for being a good woman isn't because God loves me and this is my response. It's because my salvation to some degree depends on my ability to be good, right? And that pressure then creates all kinds of social and political activism because the best way for me to do good is to change the world and make it look more like the kingdom of God. Essentially, what they're trying to do is create a kingdom of God here on earth And by playing a role in creating a kingdom of God here on earth, they are making their own salvation secure. So they're making themselves more likely to go to heaven. So what most American Christians believe is that in order for them to be saved, they either need to, well, they need to do good 
and help God save them, basically. Um, and in order to do good, they either need to create a society which is more friendly to Christianity, which is where you see like the Trump supporters um, who believe that what they're doing, because they're... So in the Republican, the current Republican ideal world, Christians have freedom to do as they choose. And since they have freedom to do as they choose, they can do good, they can do more good, and doing more good makes them more saved, right? And so that's the like the conservative Christian ideal that's being pushed, is we create a kingdom of God here on earth where Christians can do all kinds of good, and by doing all kinds of good, they can then work towards their own salvation. That's what you see in most Trump supporters, such as you see in the Bible Belt. That's what you're seeing from American evangelicals and mainline Protestantism, is we're basically going to create the kingdom of God here on earth so we can do all kinds of good and go to heaven. What we see on the liberal side of things, um, which is kind of a head-scratcher, frankly, to be uh, liberal Christians are really confusing to me. But basically what they're trying to do is instead of changing culture to better suit Christianity, they're trying to change Christianity in order to better suit culture. So basically they're making a people-friendly Christianity. And so they do believe that Jesus is the Savior. They do believe that Christians are inherently flawed. They do believe that um, Jesus played some sort of role in redeeming them from their sins, but they don't have a high enough view of Scripture in order to go out and present Scripture as it stands. And so instead, they change the teachings of Christianity so that they're more people-friendly, more palatable, so that more people might know God. And by introducing more people to God, they're doing their good works by which they will then be saved. So whether they're liberal Christians or conservative Christians, what they're trying to do is do as much good as they possibly can in order to make their own salvation secure. But... <laughs> that's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not what the Bible tells us to do. Orthodox Christianity doesn't teach that God and man cooperate together for justification the way that mainline Protestants and Catholics and evangelical Christians believe. Orthodox Christianity, whether it's Presbyterianism, Lutheranism, wherever you find Orthodox Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, basically the Bible, clearly teaches that God is the redemptive agent and that we can do nothing to save ourselves. So, when I say Orthodox Christianity, what I'm saying is what the Bible teaches. What the Bible clearly teaches is that God is the sole redemptive agent and that you and I can do absolutely nothing in order to be saved. We as humans are sinful, we are dead in our transgressions and sin, and dead things cannot bring themselves back to life. Right? The Bible says that we are dead in our sin. Since we are dead in our sin, we cannot... Be good enough in order to be saved. We cannot rise to the level of God. We cannot cooperate with God in our own salvation. And that is the fundamental doctrine on which the Protestant Reformation back in the 1500s was built. And that's the fundamental difference between the mainline Protestant and Catholic teachings and the conservative Orthodox teachings. Um, it's what conservative, like theologically traditional conservative Lutherans teach, but it's not just us. It's anybody that teaches Orthodox Christianity teaches that we are sinful human beings who are dead in our transgressions and sin. Dead things cannot bring themselves back to life. And so God is the sole redemptive agent who saves us, who redeems us, who brings us salvation, and we can do nothing in order to be saved. And that's what, that's what Luther says in the explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith, and in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and fully forgives all sins to me and all believers. Since I, as a Christian, do not cooperate with God in my own salvation, my focus then for my life is going to shift from myself and my own agenda, which would be doing as much good as I possibly can. It shifts heavenward then, where now instead of being concerned with changing myself into something good, I trust the Holy Spirit to do to make me good and to simply follow Jesus instead. So it's a really subtle shift in mindset between Orthodox Christianity and like the Catholicism and mainline uh, Protestant theology. So what mainline Protestants and what Catholics teach is that I cooperate together with God for my own salvation, right? So it's my job to be as good as I possibly can. What Orthodox Christian believe, what Orthodox Christians believe is that, um, it's our job simply to follow Jesus instead, right? So the shift kind of, well, I, here's a better way to say it. Instead of walking around every day trying to make this world a better place, I instead just follow Jesus and trust that he is working in me because one, this place on earth is not my home. And because it is not my eternal home, I do not belong to this place I know that this place is that perfecting this place is ultimately futile because this world is going to be destroyed and we will be given a new heaven and a new earth and a new body in which to enjoy salvation and eternity with Jesus. So I'm not trying to save the world. I'm trying to save the people of the world. I'm trying to help the people of the world see their savior. Um, so I go around every day doing what Jesus told me to do, which is to make disciples and we don't make true disciples by either changing Christian teachings to be more popular or palatable, which is what the Pope is doing, if you're paying attention to, to the news, which you should be. It's, instead of being like the Pope and changing Christian doctrine to be um, more palatable to people, and Lutheran church bodies are doing the same thing. American evangelicals are also doing the same thing. We're changing the teachings of Christianity so that they're more palatable to people. We don't do that. We also don't try and get people to act more like Christians we simply present the gospel message. And that does not mean that we're uninvolved in politics or that we have no role in society. It means that we seek to win hearts by the work of the Spirit. And when the Spirit works faith in somebody's heart, they will love like Jesus and their fruits of the Spirit will make other people Christians. So when I become a Christian, when the Holy Spirit begins working in my heart, I then produce fruits of faith. Those fruits of faith make Christianity really attractive to other people, and the Holy Spirit works in their hearts as well. They also become Christians. Their fruits of the Spirit become really attractive to the unbelieving world, and they become Christians, so on and so forth. The Spirit does his work and changes hearts, and that is how we change society. So there's a lot of criticism that flies towards Orthodox Christians because, especially from other church bodies, actually even from non-Christians too, who will point at us and say, though that's not a very Christian attitude. And a lot of times that really confuses me because I know the Bible very, very well. I know what Christian, the Christian church teaches, and then I'm told you're not behaving in a very Christian manner when I'm walking out what I read in Scripture. That's because the mass of American Christians don't 
ha- don't rely on the Bible to define their faith or their beliefs. They don't believe what the Bible says. They believe what the Christians teach. So whether it's their church or whether they're getting it from the internet or from social media or whatever, they believe something other than what the Bible teaches, and their definition of Christianity isn't, I believe what the Bible teaches, it's I believe what Christians believe, and those are not necessarily the same thing. And so they will often point at those of us who are Orthodox, and they will criticize us for not behaving in a very Christian manner because we're not trying to change the world for Jesus the way they are because we're not trying to do as much good as we possibly can in the world the way they are. Instead of going out and trying to make the world into God's kingdom here on earth, we go out and we take care of people's hearts. Um, sometimes, I, I think, so what's really happening when people criticize the Orthodox Church for not being involved, and this was my, so at the beginning of the podcast, right, I talked about how frustrated I was, is because I misunderstood the Christian ethic, right? So the true Christian ethic, which often gets mislabeled as the Lutheran ethic, which it is the Lutheran ethic, but only because Martin Luther drew his ethic from Scripture, they draw their ethic from reason, and so they claim that the Christian ethic is to do as much good in the world as you possibly can. That's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is to create more Christians, to create more disciples for Christ. And those disciples for Christ, when you are discipled by Christ, by the Holy Spirit, by other Christians, you will then look more like Christ, and your behavior will change. What the what the the what most Christians are doing instead of winning hearts and minds for Christ, what they are doing is they are trying to control and manipulate society to shift the tides of our culture in such a way so that it's a more Christian positive world so that they can do more good and ultimately do more to save themselves. So Orthodox Christians don't make an impact on society by trying to control and shift the tides of our culture, but by capturing hearts. And as the number of Christians who really believe what the Bible actually says grows, our culture will change and shift as a side effect of that work, of a side effect of discipleship. And people will start to look more like Christ because they believe, not because they try to do as much good in the world. Um, so we've seen the opposite happen over and over again in, in, in history, especially in the last hundred years in our culture. Um, as fewer and fewer people remain in Orthodox Christian churches, then fewer and fewer people cling to that morality on which our country was built, and more and more civil and societal unrest result from that. So it is actually true that the Christian church, the Lutheran church, is effectively irrelevant in American culture, but we're okay with that. Because it's not our job to change culture. It's our job to disciple. God calls us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. God does not call people to go out and change society. He he calls us to go out and change people's hearts by presenting the gospel. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what Orthodox Christians do is we don't go out in society and yell and scream and try and change society to make it look more like Christ. Instead, what we do is we go out and we faithfully teach what the Bible says. We live out what the Bible says and what God calls us to. And because the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us, the Holy Spirit will then begin working in the hearts and minds of the people around us. And we will then disciple those people, those people, then live by the Christian ethic and 
the Christian church marches on. That's how the Christian church has survived, even though empires fall, is that cr- true Christians are not trying to create a haven for Christianity, a safe haven for Christianity. What they're trying to do is create more Christians. And we got to stop getting caught up in the idea that we have to go fight for Christian values. It is not my job to fight for Christian values. It is my job to present the gospel message over and over and over again and let the Spirit work. One of my pet peeves is people who will try and make the world behave as if they're Christians who believe that Jesus is their Savior, who believe the Bible was true, even though they don't believe what the Bible is true. And that's what most American Christians are trying to do, is make everybody act like a Christian without actually presenting the gospel to them. Instead of discipling people, they try and do good in order for their own... So that's a little bit of a frustrating and confusing thing as well. I think... um, So think about it from this way. It certainly is a good work to share the gospel, right? But when it becomes a requirement of my salvation that I do good things, what is the ultimate good work? The ultimate good work is to share the gospel with somebody, right? And so there's a lot of churches that will teach basically that. The only good thing you can do, like the whole point of our church is to go get more Christians. And they don't actually disciple people or even ask them to live according to the Christian ideal, according to the law, as we find it in the Bible, because they don't care. Once you're baptized, once you're a member of our church, we've got you. You no longer can provide me with good work. It's an inherently selfish thing. Instead of just looking at Jesus and following Jesus, I have to be really, 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 really good. And in order to be really, 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 really good, I have to have sinners around me who I can do good things for. And they're not actually discipling people. What they're doing is they're trying to save themselves by bringing people to church. That's not what the Bible teaches. That is not the Lutheran Christian ideal. And that is not what we are called to do as Christians. What we are called to do is disciple. Stop trying to get people to change their lives and instead present them with the gospel. Let the Spirit do his work. And as the Spirit does his work, you will be allowed to disciple and you will be able to say, hey, you're drinking too much. Hey, this isn't a lifestyle that's conducive to Christianity. And they will change their behavior because they do believe what the Bible says and they do want to love their Savior and they will be sanctified but we cannot lead with trying to change society. That's the fundamental difference. The world is a crazy place, fellas. We are not of the world. We do not want to behave like the world. We don't have to be like them. We know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And we are not slaves any longer who have to go do as much good as we possibly can. It is no longer even my concern to do that which is good. Instead, it is my concern to do that which Jesus tells me I should do, which is good. But I'm not trying to figure out what's good and go do it. What I'm trying to figure out is what would Jesus do, and I'm going to go do that. So treasure up the truth that you have and you know. Stop trying to be like the world. Be like Jesus instead. I love you, fellas. Go be the man that God created you to be. We will talk to you next week.
On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms, and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.